Well, great. Good morning to you all. I'm Mark, and I'm bringing a message today with the caption, The Challenge of Love. The Challenge of Love. And it comes from our series in, uh, in 1 John. And this week, uh, we're starting in 1 John chapter 3. Um, and I'll be starting from verse 11 and going on into chapter 4. Well, I don't know if you were here last week, or maybe you heard Steve speak on, uh, on this topic. We learned something really important from Steve last week. He told us all about the value of a good subtitle to the talk. So my subtitle under the challenge of love is T-I-H-W-K. Got that? T-I-H-W-K. This is how we know. All right. You can forget that. It was only a little joke at the beginning. You'll never forget it. I said it. I'm bringing a message of, of joy and of, of hope, of strengthening your faith, of reassurance. And as I speak, um, I hope you might learn something about discernment. Well, what better way to begin if I give you the title, The Challenge of Love? You might turn to The Greatest Commandment. And this is Mark, Mark's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given a good answer, he asked them, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Many of us will know that greatest commandment well. But as I progress, hold that greatest commandment in your head. I'd like you to close your eyes and I'm going to describe an event. The invading army rushes into the city and captures the city. The residents of the city, they flee. They seek sanctuary elsewhere. A sense of evil and persecution and devastation prevails over the city. Prisoners are captured and taken as slaves. Those who escape become refugees And as they move into other countries, experience hostility and corrupt foreign practices. They might say, I thought I was fleeing into a country where God's law was present. But I don't recognize this religion I've come into. Not Kiev, Ukraine last year. Not the fall of Kabul, Afghanistan, 
2021. Not the country of Niger last month. Not even Khartoum in Sudan in April of this year. But this is Jerusalem in AD 70. The Roman army have come in and they've occupied Jerusalem. They've set fire to the temple. They've knocked it down. They're putting down an insurrection. The temple, God's home, becomes destroyed. And most of the population, they flee to safety. So in the messiness of that world and the world today... How do we follow this greatest commandment? How in all we do, do we show love to those around us? All around is evil, false teaching, impurity. How, how do we have the strength to stay true to that greatest commandment and to follow Christ's teaching? How do we know that we're on the right path as we walk out? Our Christian faith. Well, some of you here may remember dear Jim Tootle. He was a wonderful leader of this church, now returned to glory, but he was a wonderful, gifted speaker. And his wife Doreen still comes up from the West Country and visits us from time to time. And Jim would always say he looks forward to returning to heaven because he's got some questions he wants to ask the Apostle Paul about his teachings. Things that maybe weren't clear in the Bible for Jim. Well, of course, Paul didn't meet Jesus face to face in his earthly body. He didn't hear the disciples or Jesus' teaching, he wasn't part of the crowds. But I wonder, what what would you ask one of Jesus' disciples if you met them this morning? Maybe it would be a simple question like, how do I know that I'm on the right path? During the week, I did an online search on the internet. How do I know that I'm a Christian? I entered of the one billion results that the search engine put up, there was a wide variety of answers. Some of them looked quite, um, quite spiritually sound. I saw Billy Graham's ministry in the first page. Compassion International were the, the first hit. But how do I know the theology of all those things? billion responses is sound how do I know that they're teaching biblical truths and it's important because only a couple of years ago during the COVID lockdowns many of us turned to the internet to find churches that would broadcast to us and some of what we found wasn't very helpful well my message this morning comes from John John, if we believe the author John was the beloved disciple of Jesus, then that disciple was at the foot of the cross. John comforted Mary uh, during the crucifixion. John was present uh, when Jesus was resurrected. And John shared a fish barbecue on the shore of the lake. So he was present and 
was there with Jesus. He's fully qualified to write about what he'd heard and seen and gazed upon and touched. I refer you to 1 John chapter 1. We know that John is writing to the churches after this fall of Jerusalem. We don't know the date, but it's clearly after AD 70. The Jews have fled the city of Jerusalem, and they've gone to mostly Asia Minor. It's what today is Turkey. And they've gone to large Christian gatherings in Ephesus, in Galatia, in Philippi. And of course we have Paul's writings to those churches. We think John is writing to all of those churches with this letter. And you know, these people, they've faced immeasurable upheaval. They've fled the safety of Jerusalem and they've become refugees. They've left Israel and moved to a new continent. They've come under the influence of Greek teaching. These cities of Asia Minor were kind of quite strong Greek cities. There's distortions in teaching. There's the temple worship. Uh, We have people who claim to be teaching Christ's message but are distorting the message. And some of the heresies that they would speak were denying Christ's resurrection and others would deny that Christ was physically human when he was on the earth. So John's message is one that is very clearly, strongly emphasizing the incarnation of Jesus. Jesus became man. John's witness to all the senses as Jesus was teaching He witnesses to the word of life. He assures us, he gives us confidence that God has indeed appeared. He suffered human death and then was physically raised from the dead. So as I speak, let's imagine a series of letters to and from those churches, the refugees who have escaped Jerusalem, to John as maybe one of the elder statesmen of the church, someone who was still physically there. And this is 40, maybe 50 years after Jesus' crucifixion. So John would have been an old man. Sorry, I don't say old. I say he would have been a more experienced man. Uh, He had more experience of life, a long life. And is very well-placed to answer questions from those churches. I think the churches may have written to John and said, in amongst all this evil, all this murdering and these armies and death that we've experienced, where is God? How can we be sure of our salvation? In amongst the corruption and the sinful practices of the Greek civilization, How can they walk out their Christian life and be true to the teachings of Christ? John's reply, I think, when you hear it, is a beautiful symphony. It starts with a strong opening statement. 
expanding the topic. We call it the exposition. There are different movements that kind of introduce new ideas, and these kind of align with the paragraphs. And the story is expanded, and we have a powerful rondo ending and repeated variations of the same phrase. A bit like when you hear some classical music and you kind of just hear a repeated phrase. We get that in this letter. While I read, I want you to pay attention and listen to phrases like this is how we know and variations of dear friends. So let's read 1 John, it's chapter 3, verse 11, and I'll read up to chapter 4, verse 6. Remember, the challenge of love. This is the message you heard from the beginning, colon. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him. How can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love, the, love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest and in, in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts. And he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us and we have confidence before God and receive from him everything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command. To believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. And to love one another As he commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him. And he in them. And this is how we know. That he lives in us. We know it. By the spirit he gave us. Dear friends. Do not believe every spirit. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. 
This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world, and therefore speak with the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. For those listening on the podcast, every time I read Dear Friends, I was kind of touching my ear as if I was listening and we hear that repeated phrase. And I think I emphasized all of the, this is how we know. Powerful introduction, powerful exposition. What's this section about? first line this is what you've heard from the beginning we should love one another and that sets the uh, the theme for the whole of this passage this is the message you heard from the beginning we should love one another this is the challenge of love that Jesus gave us as that greatest commandment and maybe this message of love was directed to the the host churches in Asia Minor encouraging them to love the new arrivals these refugees that have come to them, maybe this message of love is for those people who were maybe sacrificially giving to support the people that have come in maybe this message of love is for us as Glendale Church with Asylum seekers, not very far away. We are to love them. Or maybe the message was for the refugees who'd fled to these churches. And despite the foreign practices and the Greek culture and the strangeness of that Greek civilization, the message is for those refugees to love the people around them. The whole passage is structured, as I've said, in a series of this is how we knows. This is how we know we've passed from death to life. This is how we know what love is. This is how we know we belong to the truth. This is how we know he lives in us. And then the last two are slightly different. This is how we recognize the spirit of God. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth. So I think the first four are here for building our faith. This is how we know. And the last two are giving us a spirit of discernment. I think the first two are very practical in nature. John writes, don't be surprised if the world hates you. But even still, 
Turn away from that evil. Don't repay hate with hate. But our love for the world and, and for one another, if we're exhibiting love in all circumstances, this will overcome death. And we know that we receive eternal life through the salvation Jesus won for us through his death on the cross. And that death, that death on the cross, shows us what love is. John gives us the example of sharing with those around us who we see in need. And we might see this as a message to the churches in Asia Minor to share food and lodgings and love with the refugees who have come to them. Didn't Steve say only 15 minutes ago about how we can help uh, those asylum seekers who have um, gained a right to stay by showing hospitality? Let me direct you to chapter 3, verse 18. Dear children, do not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Uh, I'm sorry about this. During the week, I was reminded of a quote. You might know it. In politics, if you want something said... Ask a man. If you want something done, ask a woman. Who knows who said that? Margaret, yeah, I'm so sorry to be divisive sort of in front of you. Yeah, Margaret Thatcher, I know people have a um, uh, Marmite view of that name. But the point is, the point is, actions over talk. When you meet people tomorrow, you can say, I heard a sermon yesterday and the speaker quoted Margaret Thatcher. Like, you know, if it's ever a reason to kind of like say what you heard on a Sunday morning, that might be it. Um, actions, or might, yeah, but like, could you, not, could you not say, someone quoted Margaret Thatcher to me yesterday. Like, let's move on. Actions, actions over words. You know, I had the great joy last night to go and pray with the street pastors before they went out um, into Newbury. You know, that work brings the love of Jesus right into the heart of our community, a part of the community that we here probably can't touch or can't, you know, engage with. But Christ's love in amongst the nighttime economy, that's something that goes on week after week, faithfully bringing God's love amongst the people. Goes on in all weathers and is probably invisible to, to many of us. Oh yeah, but Mark, yeah, that challenge of love, yeah, we know that challenge of love and we, we set about our lives to you know, to really show that challenge of love, but it requires enormous reservoirs of patience. In our symphony of this passage, the third upbeat movement is punctuated by the word command. 
Jesus is a, sorry, John is addressing this, this practical question. I try to love God and my neighbor, but am I doing it right? You know, the great news that John brings is God has already equipped us for the challenge because we belong to the truth and God lives in us through his spirit. So these are the next two This is how we knows. This is how we know we belong to the truth. And this is how we know he lives in us. Our conscience can gnaw away so that we feel condemned or unworthy. Or we feel that our puny efforts to love our neighbors is not living up to the task. But John writes that we can have confidence that God, he knows our hearts and our intentions. So we might feel that our actions are condemning us in front of God. But God loves us and his mission, his purpose is love. He knows everything that we think. He knows everything that we do. And he doesn't condemn us. If we believe, says John, in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, we will know that he lives in us. And we know, and this is how we know that he lives in us, we know it by the spirit that he gave us. So we're given a spirit, God's spirit living in us. Through that spirit, we're qualified, equipped to follow this message of love. But don't be deceived. That spirit lives in us. But how do we know that the spirit, and when people claim to be bringing a message from the spirit, or words from the spirit, that that message is from God? Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. And these are the final, this is hows in this passage. What they're doing is they're helping us to test spiritual claims and teachings. John writes, every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And this disputes some of that strange Greek or kind of heretical Christian teaching that Jesus Christ was a spirit, he was never man. Every spirit that acknowledges Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And secondly, in the final part, John writes that we are from God. We have the Spirit of God in us and we are from God. And if someone is bringing a spiritual message, which is also from God, then they'll listen to us because we are from God and they will be from God. But if they're not prepared to listen to us or to see our point of view, then the spiritual message may be not from God. I tried to think of an example, a way to illustrate this. So during the week, I made the most ridiculous, crazy search 
online. I searched the internet for the phrase, what does the Bible teach us about dieting? Now, you might look at me and think, yeah, you could lose a few pounds. That's why I wondered what the Bible would teach us about dieting. Do you know what I found? What I found is, I'm swimming in an ocean of sharks when I make that search. It would seem from all of the responses that God made my body to be a holy temple. And God wants my body to be perfect. But because of my sin, I've let this holy temple run to fat. It started off okay, didn't it? And suddenly it's kind of gone a little bit off course. And then, amazing, with a a voluntary tithe of $50 per week, I can receive biblical verses and diet tips by email, which will help not only to restore me physically, but spiritually. Hmm. Maybe some of those hits are got, you know, my wellness at their heart. But I. I don't think they're necessarily following biblical teaching. Um, We'll be given our daily bread. Uh, It was one of the Bible verses that they kind of quoted. And and I'm deliberately kind of making a really naive, really kind of silly kind of example. But, you know, Jim Tootle taught me to test the authorship of books. What does the blurb in the book say about the writer what ministries have they been part of what events do they speak at when the books have got you know um, uh, got quotes from other authors what types of authors are kind of saying that this is a helpful book and what was true for the written word published books is also true for the internet and famous verse from Romans By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Let's be on our guard as we're finding kind of messages from Christian organizations on the internet. As we're sending kind of spiritual messages to one another through WhatsApp or through, you know, online platforms. How Assured are we of the spiritual, biblical nature, the sources of that material? I think please be on your guard and take what John says about testing the spirits and the spiritual messages that people bring. Test them and be on your guard. But our passage ends with this uplifting phrase. We are from God. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Spirit of truth. Does that ring a bell? might ring a bell with you. Words of Jesus. John 14. And this is the reason we have hope. 
This is the reason why we can live our lives in joy, knowing that the challenge of love is not beyond us. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. We believe it's the same author, both John, who've written that passage. Jesus Christ promises us the spirit of truth to dwell in each, in each of us, to be a counsellor and to help us follow that commandment to love God and to love one another. bow your heads as I lead us in prayer oh Jesus we love you we thank you for your message your teaching your sacrifice we praise you that you did not leave us as orphans you sent a counsellor the spirit of truth to live in our hearts As we go into this week, Father God, let us feel your spirit stirring in us. Let us look for ways to show your love through actions, through how we interact with one another. Let on our hearts, Lord, to look for those in need, to look for opportunities to share your love with those around us. And we know that what we ask for in prayer, we have already received. We pray these things in the precious name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.